0: Let me ask you, have you ever felt like there was a vicious battle inside of you between good and evil? Have you ever despaired of overcoming your flesh's sinful desires? Have you been frustrated because trying to keep the rules of Christianity seems to leave you in bondage? If you resonated with any of those questions then do not stop listening, because we are going to talk about Paul's letter to the Galatians.
1: The scripture has confined all under sin. So through the law, we find out we're all sinners condemned before God, and there's no hope in ourselves to justify ourselves. And the law does that. It shows that we are sinners. But then he says, the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe.
0: Hey, this is Nate Dancer with Purity for Life. The letter to the Galatians is an absolute goldmine of heavenly wisdom. It tells us that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. It shows us how to be liberated from legalism and from sinful lusts. It turns us away from our own strength and efforts and toward the cross of Jesus Christ so that we can be empowered by the Spirit of God to live a truly righteous life. This is part one of the 11th episode in our latest series, Firm Foundation. Let's go. Okay, so uh, before we get into the conversation that I had with Ken Larkin, here's just an FYI. My plan originally was to talk about Galatians five sixteen to twenty five, but when Ken and I got together, we started talking about the context of Galatians, like the big picture of the book, and uh, we got a little bit into it. <laughs> so. 35 minutes later, we hadn't even started talking about Galatians five, sixteen to 25. So here's an episode all about the big picture, and next week we'll get into Galatians 5. I really hope that you're blessed by this. Okay, so Ken, this is the, this is the second episode that you've been with us for, right? Yeah. What was the first passage we talked about?
1: It's a good question.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. You did um, Titus... Yes. T- Titus 2 and 3, and then First John 3. The true God love three.
1: of God and grace of God. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, so what we want to talk about today is Galatians five sixteen to 25, and that's a very familiar passage. I'll just read that real quick. I'm reading out of the ESV. This is Paul. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh... "...sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so there is a ton there, and... Before we start talking through this passage, I want to talk about the context of the book of Galatians, because, man, this is a powerful, powerful book. Um, as you studied, what were some of the things that you learned?
1: Well, just starting off, like, he he wrote it to the Galatians, obviously, uh, which was uh, a region, a Roman province in a region of Asia Minor, which would be modern Turkey. Right and it seems like he had written to the uh, churches he had established on his first missionary journey in southern galatia which would be the city in antioch iconium lystra and derby mm. from what i understand and that's in acts uh, 13 and 14 i believe and what happened was it looks like i was thinking about this how awesome we have this book that you know the devil meant to undermine the gospel and god gave us these rich truths in response to that Mm. so paul was basically counteracting judaizers that had infiltrated the church that they were basically teaching you need you need to be circumcised or keep the law of moses in addition to faith in christ to be saved and paul was obviously he received by revelation from god it actually says that in in his uh you know chapter one the gospel and they were trying to pervert the gospel so he counteracted them. They're also trying to undermine his authority to promote themselves and the heresy they were speaking. So he he basically, in the first couple chapters, establishes his own apostolic authority where he received the gospel from, and then he really gets into uh, the book talking about justification through faith. And mm-hmm. I thought really that was like a, one of the main themes, if not the theme of the book, was justification by faith. And we know... Uh, if God repeats something, it's important. And this phrase is mentioned four times in the Bible. Paul mentioned it in Romans one, uh, in it's, it's in Hebrews ten, I believe it is, and then in, in uh, Galatians three eleven, the just shall live by faith. So, but that no one is justified by the law in God's sight is evident for the just shall live by faith, mm-hmm. and that's a quote from uh, Habakkuk two four.
0: Yeah, um, when I yeah you know, I love doing key themes and and looking at key words, repeated words and themes. And one thing that I saw like running throughout this book is almost a, uh, it's like two different themes. One is life and the other is death. And under those key themes are things like faith, mentioned 23 times, for, for life. Connected with life is this theme of faith 23 times. The spirit is mentioned eight times. Righteousness, or justified, or justify is 16 times. Grace and gospel, those are like life and blessing words. And then, under the death theme, kind of, you've got curses, you've got law, which is 32 times, you've got flesh, which is 14 times, and slavery, which is eight times. So, it's like Paul is showing that there's two basic messages. There's the message of life, which is connected to faith and the Spirit, and then there's the message of death, um, which is connected to the law and the flesh. And obviously the Galatians didn't realize that the message that they were buying into was actually a message of death and condemnation. But he knew it very clearly, right? Because he... He had been immersed in the law since a very young age, so he knew where that thing led, and he wasn't about to let his beloved brothers and sisters who'd been saved marvelously by the Holy Spirit, he wasn't about to let them buy into this lie.
1: Yeah, I think that's amazing, like you mentioned, that Paul was not only given a revelation directly from God, of Jesus Christ and the gospel, but he came out of dead religion himself, so he was that much more staunchly opposed to it because he knew it wasn't the truth, and he he had experienced, like you said, in his own life where that leads, mm-hmm. where he was literally in a spirit of hatred and murder trying to destroy the church in the name of God.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. Like, a book like this can be a little bit challenging, I think, because... Obviously, we know that the law was given by God, right? This wasn't something that the devil gave to the people of Israel. So the issue is not, was the law good? It's how do you use the law? What's the purpose of the law? And when you use the law incorrectly, or you, like you said, that they're teaching you that in addition to faith in Christ, you must obey the law of Moses to, to, I don't know, experience the full benefits of salvation maybe or progress further into salvation. Yeah, that is using the law improperly, and he knew that is going to lead you down a fruitless, lifeless path that ends in a completely different place than where these people are telling you it's going,
1: Right. Yeah, it's crazy. And, of course, Paul talked about you know how the law itself is good. And if the law had given us life, then that would have been fine. But it can't give us life because the law really just shows us how far we fall short of God's glory and how we can never keep it by human effort. And he said if you don't keep the whole thing, you know you have to keep the whole thing to be justified before God. And if you don't, then under the law, you're under a curse, that you're under this... Curse of sin and death. So, it's amazing how how much this dovetails with the teaching in Romans. There's so much you know comparison between the two in his teaching.
0: Yeah, um, I've I've spent quite a bit of time reflecting on this and studying this kind of thing because I just in my own life I think that I am wired this way. And, you know, if I had been in the Galatian church, I think I would have bought into this. It would have seemed right to me, because I think their logic or the Judaizers' logic was appealing to kind of a self-righteous nature, someone who is striving for acceptance before God with external things, which I've found in my own life has been a, a struggle, and um, I think that this probably appealed maybe to some who were weak in faith and were more prone to fear like well what happens if I don't keep these rules you know what right. hap- what happens if I don't keep the regulations is god going to be pleased with me but he just yeah he's very i mean paul is incredibly clear he uses so much scriptural logic to show that God gave the law for a very specific purpose, like you said, and it was it was to reveal what sin really is, that it's this thing inside of our hearts which will not submit to God. It's hostile to God, and it will not ever submit, right? Yep. No matter what God says, no matter what God, how much instruction He gives us, that principle of sin inside of us is so rebellious and so hostile to God that it will never submit, and the law just simply reveals the depth of that rebellion because it speaks more and more clearly about the the nature of God and how righteous He is and what really we should do, Right, and then sin says, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, and Paul does a great job of laying that out in Romans 6 through 8. He really gets into the whole thing of the law of sin and death and freedom in Christ, you know, yeah. like we're going to be talking about walking in the Spirit. Uh, he lays that out in more detail even in Romans. It's very good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was thinking of when you were talking, Nate, that. Um, the scripture has confined all under sin so through the law we find out we're all sinners condemned before god and there's no hope in ourselves to justify ourselves right and the law does that it shows that we are sinners but then he says the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in jesus christ might be given to those who believe and that's a In chapter 3, verse 22. And then in 24, it says, Therefore, the law was our tutor or our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It showed us our need of a Savior that we might be justified by faith.
0: Yeah, and I think so, like a law keeping spirit is the kind of spirit that looks at the commands of God and says, In order to be right with God, I have to obey these things and in its own strength and its own resources says, I'll do it. And that's the problem. The law was not given for that purpose. And so the more it's like as you seek to live that out in your own strength and in your own resources, what happens? You fall short. Yeah. And you realize, oh, I didn't keep it. But then that law-keeping spirit says, okay, next time. I'll do better this time, and more effort, more attempts to justify yourself before God by keeping the law, and Paul's point is just understand what the law is for. Like, that process that shows you your sin and reveals more sin the harder you try to keep the law, that is the point of it. Get the point, and now turn to Christ. Turn away from your sin and turn away even from this self-effort kind of thing to, to justify yourself before God and turn to the one who's able to make you righteous. Yeah, But sometimes we don't get the point.
1: And it's interesting because when you are self-righteous, and we talked about this one time before, and you think you're doing okay, you go into delusion. No one can keep the law. You know, by your own efforts. Right. So it's spiritual delusion and pride and thinking you're right with God. If it's based on the law, it's, it's a sheer fantasy. And then if you have an honest heart, it lends itself to despair because you can never measure up by yourself. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees were in that, but they were in the delusion that they were keeping the law. And the problem is Jesus was standing right before them, and he—they rejected him. They didn't even see their need, but they also were standing in the place of being above other people in their self-righteousness and condemning what we would say, like the you know the run-of-the-mill you know sinners, you know with maybe gross outward sins like the tax collectors, the harlots, or whatever. But Jesus said, "Those that are whole don't need a physician. If you're well, you don't need a physician. But those that are sick, so there's something to that. That the law again brings us." to the knowledge of our sin, and then for our need for a savior. And then the incredible freedom that comes when you do turn to Christ, just think about a bondage or just a terrible weight, we've all experienced that, of trying to be good enough, when you know you, really that you're not. Because even if you outwardly can conform to what you think would be a good, ethical, moral life, your heart's wrong. It's mm. the inward man that needs to change. And Jesus didn't condemn the Pharisees for all the things they did right, even to the point of tithing like spices. You know, they were he said you strain in a gnat, you swallow a camel. But the problem was he said you need to clean the inside of the cup. It's not enough to have external, you know, doing the right thing. And that's something no one can do apart from the Spirit of God, because our hearts are corrupt by nature because of the fall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the idea, I think, for some people, and even in I would no one's really changed, you know what I mean? Like, our context is different. There's probably very few people going around saying, you must be circumcised if you're going to be justified. But the impulse in us, which is that I've got to keep these rules in order to be made right with God, or I've got to do this thing in order for God to accept me, that impulse is still alive Yeah, it is. in people. And yeah, your, your point is that, there is no rule that you can keep that will cleanse your heart. And that's what God's looking at. He's looking at the heart. What has happened in the heart? Is there a righteousness there in the heart that is liberating you from the power of the flesh? You know, and I think I hesitate to give specific examples because I don't want to necessarily like isolate one group of people over another, but I was just thinking about how we can substitute what they said. Okay, circumcision, that's the thing, or keeping the feasts, or you got to keep the Jewish Sabbath. We've substituted some things. Um, Maybe it's like, how long should a woman's hair be? you know? Or do you worship on Saturday or Sunday? I've definitely heard people say, if you worship on Sunday, you cannot be saved. That's the same thing. Yeah. Um, what version of the Bible do you read? Uh, there's There are external things that we push forward and say that this is so important that if you don't do this, you cannot be saved. And that is really seems to be an analogy to what Paul is bringing forth here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And isn't it interesting? Like, even the Pharisees started out like they wanted to be separate from the world. They wanted to live holy lives. But then once man gets involved in it, it all falls apart. Yeah, you know, and it's the same with this. Like a lot of the uh, external observations, like the hair, the length of the skirt, all these different things came out of the holiness movement, which was a powerful move of God. But after a while, the spirit of it diminished. And then we just had the outward observance. And now you're judging someone else that's not living according to your standards. But it's no longer a movement of God. Now it's just man continuing on in the flesh, what God began in the spirit. Right. And Paul talks about that.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? And I think that's what—so in my own life, I think that has been the frustration, because in essence, I think what you find, if, if you have kind of a, a legalistic strain or a self-righteous strain, what you find is that even things that are meant for your good— if you try to trust those things to develop the life of God more fully in you, those things backfire in a way and bring you into this bondage because that's not how it works. And I think that's what Paul is Paul is saying. He just calls him out in a sense in in Galatians chapter 2 and he says in chapter 2, verse 2, again, this is the ESV, let me ask you only this. <laughs> you <know. laughs> did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Yeah. So he's he's telling it, like, how did this all start? Did this all start because you found some principle to observe or some rule to follow, and then you were baptized in the Spirit? Or did it happen because you heard a message about Jesus Christ and what he had done in the world and how he was able to save you? When you believed that message, you were baptized in the Spirit of God, and an inward radical change happened in you that totally changed you from the inside out. And he's saying... Are you really going to leave that pathway for something different?
1: Yeah. And it's crazy because we've all done it. Yeah. You know, and even good things like Bible study, prayer, I guess they call them like the means of grace, you know, how you can connect with God. There's no life in those things itself. We actually come to the Lord and the Lord gives us life in those things. Yeah. But it's not me oh i'm just going to pray more i'm going to study the bible more and get more spiritual no if the holy spirit's not in it all you're doing is just the letter kills is dead the spirit gives life yeah and paul like you mentioned he was talking about life and he says having begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect by the flesh in verse 3 of chapter 3. one version says are you now attaining your goal by human effort you know that we were literally dead spiritually no life whatsoever and like you said god by his spirit implanted life within us, and that is the life that we need to learn to live in, to live out. It's in his spirit, and we're going to talk about that, of course, in chapter 5. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing, and and they were reverting back to that bondage of trying to do the futility of it, too, trying to do in the flesh what only God can do in the spirit. Yeah.
0: Paul, that's his testimony, right? I mean, he was following the law to... I, I guess what you would probably say is as well as any person was able to follow the law, he was. And yet, his, when you read, like you said, Romans, or you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4, or you read um, this, you get the sense that his experience, his personal experience as someone who fastidiously observed the law of Moses was that his internal life had more of the mark of death on it. But then when he heard the message of Jesus, when Jesus came to him and revealed himself to him, something happened so powerfully in him that showed the law for what it was, that it was a tutor that's supposed to lead us to Jesus. And I, you know, in my own life, even I've just been very enlightened as I've reflected recently, even the command love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is in the law. And love your neighbors yourself. Yeah. You know? And if you approach those commands as If I do these things, then I'll be justified. That will kill you. Yeah. But if you, when you turn to Christ in faith, then he promises us an internal life that just transforms us. Second Corinthians 4 has been another one that I've just meditated on a lot. And he talks about how. It's like he's, in his mind, he's thinking about all these little congregations, these congregations of, of Jews all throughout the known world, and he says every time they gather together and they read the Law of Moses, there's a veil over their minds. And the veil, though, is obscuring them from seeing God. Right. They see the law of Moses, and they see the commands, but they don't see God. And he said, because only, that veil is only taken away in Jesus. But when you turn to the Lord, then the veil's taken away. Yeah. And he goes on to say, which totally correlates with Galatians, he goes on to say, the Lord is the Spirit. So when you turn to the Spirit, then the veil is taken away and you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, when you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that transforms you from the inside out, something the law could never do and will never do.
1: And it's interesting, you know, going into the idea of the law versus faith, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but fulfill it. Mm -hmm. Um, In Romans, I was thinking about Uh, Romans 8, Mm -hmm, verse 2, mm -hmm. "...for the law of the Spirit of life," there it is again, "...in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us." And here it is, "...who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." And I was thinking about that. Jesus came to fulfill the law. The spirit and in, in the intent of the law was always it was always spiritual. You know, it wasn't just the outward thing. Like Jesus realized that they had relegated it to that, so he had to correct them. You you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But here's what, what I was really saying. Even if you look at a woman to lust after if you've committed adultery in your heart, it was always a spiritual book. Yeah. And Jesus didn't come to you know, abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And the other thing is he said to the self-righteous Pharisees, you know, a lot of times we can get into the Bible, and the Bible study or studying the Bible is not an end in itself. If it doesn't translate into a relationship with the author, you miss the whole point. Yeah. And he said to the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but you won't come to me that you might have life. And that's the difference between the dead religion or a relationship with the Lord by his Spirit.
0: Yeah, and like, I think you said this earlier, I think the book of Galatians, again, is probably not, I mean, maybe for a few people, it's relevant in the sense that they actually believe that I need to be circumcised, but that's probably not happening for multitudes of people, but that, that impulse in us, which is to seek life, by what we do and always keeping our, our view on what do I do? Am I going to church enough? Am I reading enough? Am I praying enough? Am I xyz, you know? That impulse is very very close to what these Galatians were doing and we just we have to be very careful personally in my pursuit of being right with God, what do I really believe about being right with Him? You know, I mean, I think about how He said to the, I can't remember where it is, but He, it's, it's in Romans, right? He said that the Jews, trying to attain a righteousness that is of the law, did not accomplish their goal. Whereas the Gentiles, who pursued it by faith, got the goal of righteousness that the Jews missed. Yeah. you know. And in Galatians, I think it's pretty clear that he's not just talking about like a legal righteousness, he's talking about a power that is transforming your life into a righteous kind of a life. And I don't mean like It is also a legal righteousness, but along with that declaration of righteousness is also an internal power to live a righteous life. And so if you don't have that power working in your life, it's very possible that you are pursuing it with the wrong motive or the approach is wrong, you know, that you're thinking that righteousness can be attained... By what I do. And that's what your whole vision is filled with. How am I doing? Instead of this faith that links you to the power of God in Jesus. And He infuses your life with that power. I personally, I've found that I need help to pursue the righteousness of God in the right way.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. And it's interesting. In our culture, we have dumbed down the gospel so much that it's really just um, relegated to the idea of forgiveness, which is incredibly awesome. Because without forgiveness, we don't have any life, and we can't have a relationship with God. Yep. But God has so much more for us. And I thought about this. You know, it's like okay, Jesus said, "Those that are well don't need a physician, but they that are sick." Without the power to live a godly life, it's like Jesus pronouncing you whole and leaving you. It's like you have four-stage cancer and a doctor says you're cured and you're going to die because the four-stage cancer is still there. Yeah. So all that sin and corruption is still in there and you're still dying. Something needs to be addressed or you're going to die no matter what. So. So the doctor can say whatever he wants. So God's not like that. You know, when God says you're justified, he also gives you a new nature. Yeah. And he recreates you inside and plants his life within you and gives you a brand new life. Like it says what Paul said in Corinthians, you know, you're a brand new creation if you're in Christ. Yeah. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And I thought it was interesting because you were talking about, you know, comparing the idea of circumcision with all the things that we do in our culture to try to be justified. So in chapter five of Galatians, verse six, he says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith working through love. So love is the fulfillment of the law. And that's the idea that, you know, I thought about this, that what we do is important. Extremely important. But that's the fruit Not the root. Yes. You're justified by faith, and if you're really justified, you have a new life, and the fruit's going to be there. That's right. So he says, neither one, that's not important, the external things, but faith that works through love. And then he says the exact same phrase in chapter 6, in verse 15, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So he's nailing it down there. It's like, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And... And that's what I love about Galatians, right, because Paul is not only talking about how to be justified, but also how to walk in that new life, because that's what was given. Like you said, Jesus didn't just, I forgive you, and then not heal you, not <laughs> cleanse you. I mean, who who really wants this sort of like impotent... I, <sighs> It's hard to it's hard to know exactly how to say it. But like who wants to just be told I forgive you and then you just live the exact same kind of life that you did before you came to Christ but you just have this sort of like I don't know, empty word of forgiveness pronounced over you. If if you really came to Jesus in a real way, You don't just want forgiveness, you want a new life. And that's what he gave the Galatians. He gave them a new life. And so Paul's saying, are you really going to turn from, like, this way that was just so powerful in your life, are you really going to, like, look to a different way now? Keep walking in the way that God saved you.
1: Yeah. And God brought him into so much freedom. He said that in chapter 5, verse 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Yeah. And then he goes on again, he says in verse 13 of chapter 5, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one Mm -hmm. another. So then again, love is the fulfillment of the law. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself... So that's the idea of walking the Spirit. The next verse is like the flesh, right? But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Yeah. So he brought them into freedom, and these Judaizers were trying to take that away. you know. And Paul says, no, stand fast. This is the true faith. This is the gospel. God has put life in you. Live in that. Don't go back to your old way of thinking and doing.
0: Yeah, and the irony is that when he starts talking about walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit, the things that he starts to mention, I guess we're getting pretty close to actually diving into the passage, (laughs) but um, when he starts talking about what the Spirit saves us from, he starts talking about all these horrible forms of sin, right? And so it's like, wait a second, you've been talking all this time about how the Spirit is kind of the... um, the real path of freedom, and it saves you from the law, but then he starts talking about all these horrible forms of sin, and the irony is that oftentimes, and you you really, you find this, I'm not going to name any uh, denominations or subcultures, but you do find this in some of the most rigid, legalistic sections of professing Christendom, you find just unspeakable perversion. So true. So legalism cannot deliver you from the lust of the flesh. It's impossible. The Spirit is kind of that middle path, right, between legalism and licentiousness or lawlessness. The Spirit-led life, the Spirit-empowered life, is the only way to live a life that's truly pleasing to God. Born in the Spirit, born by the Spirit, and then a life in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. I mean, he's just like pouring it on here. He just keeps on saying, Spirit, 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 (laughs) Spirit, Spirit. spirit." (laughs) And it is interesting
1: you mentioned the Holy Spirit. You know, the Spirit is like the middle ground because the Gentiles were used to living as Gentiles, pagans, yeah. with all these lusts of the flesh and all the sins that he mentions. Give yourself over to anything. Just totally given over. And I thought about that whole list there. A lot of them in the middle would also apply to what the what these false teachers were in. You know, in this spirit, you know, hatred, contentions, jealousies, oh, yeah. outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, you know, envy, murder. That's what Paul was in when he was a Pharisee. So it is kind of interesting that you have on the one hand, they're being taught by the Judaizers you know, wanted to rob them of their freedom in Christ by going to the law, which would have been new for them as Gentiles. But, okay, we are the true people of God. This is what this looks like. If you want to be right with God, you got to be a Jew. you got to observe the law. And then, yeah, Jesus came to complete it, but you need this first. You don't just go from being a pagan to being right with God. you got to do this first. And then their culture told them, no, you basically live however you want Hmm. and just fulfill the lust of the flesh. So Paul was addressing both of those, I guess, hurdles (laughs) to them continuing on in the freedom yeah. that God was calling them to.
0: Okay. That's man, that is just such good stuff. I <laughs> it was funny because I um I think I really started studying this on Saturday and by like Tuesday, you know, I I'd put in a number of hours, and I was like, I haven't even studied Galatians five yet. <laughs> I mean, this is just amazing stuff. Yeah. Pretty much, uh, what I what I used for my whole study was uh, an old commentary called the Expositor's Commentary. Mm-hmm. And man, if anybody wanted to dig in and dive into that. It's amazing. There's a newer version called, also called the Expositor's Commentary. That's not the one I used. I used the one in Esword, but just powerful, powerful stuff. Really enlightening. So helpful. So just like, man, I can relate to this. I love the book of Galatians. Well, I love this letter, and I pray that what you've heard will encourage you to believe God for a deeper, more powerful freedom in your own life. Okay, so next week, Ken and I will get into Galatians 5, 16-25, so that does it for today, but we will see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries.